All right. Well, welcome back to another sci-fi podcast where psychology and finance intersect. Today, I have Maria McCall. She's going to introduce herself in just a moment, but today we are going to be talking about children and money. And parents, please listen to the entire podcast because regardless of where your child is age-wise or developmental-wise, we will get to that age group. And it doesn't even matter if they're out of the nest. You still have to create some level of boundaries with your children and money. So Maria, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm Maria McCall. I am the new parent support program home visitor for Redstone Arsenal. I work with individuals who are pregnant and families who have children up to the age of three. And I also run the ChildWise Play Morning group that is held twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 930 in the morning to 1130 in the morning on 3467 Vincent Park Road here at the Arsenal. And that's a little bit about me. In other words, if after listening to this podcast, you're wanting a little more hands-on and a little more oomph to the thought process that you gain from this today, Maria is there to work with you. So of course, she's with the age group one to three. But even so, if you wanted to chat with her about a certain age group over the phone, I'm sure she'd be happy to, to work with you. But I would also be happy to work with you as well as your financial readiness program manager. But we want you to use us as much as you'd like. So Maria provided a wonderful article. We have differing personalities. And when I told her about the podcast, she provided a wonderful article to structure our conversation where I like to shoot from the hip, but it is a wonderful article and I can't wait to dive into it. So preschoolers, your bread and butter, Maria. So this age group is who you know best. So according to this article, one of the things that stood out for me, and this is from the University of Nebraska. And so what they were talking about is development through the lifespan when it comes to managing finances. And they start with preschoolers. And the name of the article is Money Wise Children Learning by Doing. So for preschoolers, here's what they said. For preschoolers, it's easier to see results when money is spent, not when it is saved. So keeping that in mind, what advice would you have for our audience today? Children are always looking, even when they're not speaking and saying. So with ChildWise, I get to have hands-on interaction with this age group, birth to five years of age. And we play pretend, of course, while we have our open play settings. And there is a food stand at ChildWise. And I recently obtained a little bag of money. And so they're working on learning transactions and they Mm -hmm. see us while we're in the stores with transactions, usually with our cards, because we're not using cash as much as we used to. And then, you know, when we're at restaurants, money is being exchanged. So their eyes are always open and they're always paying attention to what's going on around them. Right. And at this age group with money, they are concrete learners. Yes, for sure. And they have no concept of time or value. Correct. So when you give them money, and this is something I learned from my wonderful mom. She (laughs) said, when you give them money, don't give them a $5 bill. Don't give them a $10 Mm -mm. bill. Give them $1 bills, but more importantly, give them four quarters. Yes. Because that's even more. So if you wanted to give them five bucks, give them five $1 bills. Mm -hmm. Or if you wanted to give them a dollar, give them four 
quarters mm-hmm. or even 10 dimes because yes. it's more visually of what they can see. Yes. So so here's what you do. I remember when Dana, my my oldest, when I was trying to teach her about money, she pitched an absolute fit at the cash register when the cashier took all of her money. <laughs> Again, no concept of value. Yes. No concept of this toy that I'm purchasing was going to take all of my precious money. So true. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that at the developmental stage of ages three to five, they state that it's easier to see results when money is spent, not when it is saved. Maria, you're a social worker. You know about the idea of arrested development. Some adults that I see are stuck in this developmental stage financially. It's easier to see results when money is spent and not when it is saved. So if I'm stepping on your toes out there, I'm sorry, but not sorry. I want you to feel the pain just for a moment, just to get you thinking a little differently. If I'm not saving and I'm only spending because that's where the reward is. Yes. Wow. And that's all they're seeing. They are only seeing the transactions at the registers, at restaurants, at your clothing stores. They're not seeing the savings. So you have to have some conversations or even maybe a piggy bank at home to where you can see the savings and you can say this is for our next vacation or I'm saving for this or that so that it can be a part of everyone's vocabulary. That's right. That's that's a good way to put it. We need to start teaching our kids at an early age age about the concept of money, the value of money, and how money in and of itself will either make or break your goals, but not to the point of where money is the end all. So there are several ways of doing that. And it depends on your family values as well. Definitely not wanting to go into anything where I'm stepping on anyone's toes value-wise, because values are certainly your own. But then we get into the early elementary ages. And and what stuck out to me, Maria, is for a five to seven-year-old, Their thought process, according to the article, is once it's spent, that's all the money they get for the day. So their frame of reference needs to be reinforced in that manner. When they spend everything in their pockets or or their purses, don't give them any more money. Now, if you're a grandparent, that's different. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) There are, you know, you can bend the rules as a grandparent. However, (laughs) if you are a grandparent that is trying to teach your grandchildren about money, then don't give them the extra cash. Maria is also a seasoned mom, and she has some kiddos in this age range too, and I'll let her share some more about this. But my oldest child one day, she told me, mom, we're having a book fair. And listen, I fall head over heels for book fairs. It gives me such positive associations. I loved book fairs when I was growing up. So I love to go. I like to shop with my girls. I like to enjoy the experience. But I knew that this one year I wouldn't be able to go with them. So she gave me an idea. I think she was only eight. 
she gave me, she said, well, you know, Bella's mom sends her with a blank check. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Risky. Nice try, honey. (laughs) But that's not how we do it in our family. Not to judge Bella's family, but in our house, no, I'm sorry. Bella could have worked really hard for that carte blanche, but you didn't. (laughs) So we're going to think about what you're going to budget for that book fair. Best lesson learned for money, hands down, for my daughter. She told me the whole story when she got home, the embarrassment of not knowing about taxes. Oh, no. The embarrassment of overspending and not having the money that she wanted. So then from that point forward, there was no reason an eight-year-old couldn't do simple math in her head. So from that point forward, it reinforced for her, if I don't want to embarrass myself with money in the future, I need to do some simple math and budget before I go up to the cash register. Okay, I did feel a pang of guilt a little bit as a mom but at the same time I was so happy that she learned this lesson and then what was best is that it happened in front of her peer group Mm -hmm. so it was even more stung a little bit yeah yeah so (laughs) what kind of mom advice do you have there that failure is helpful and is needed it's something that we all go through we've all had probably mishaps with money whether we you know overspend or didn't realize we're overspending thought that something wasn't going to come out of the bank and it did and now you have an overdraft so having those failures are important and the younger that you can get them in there the easier you can have that recovery period that's right having those failures when it's not going to impact them too much Mm -hmm. at this age group yes rather than like you said when they're older overdraft fees yes negative information on their credit report because of collections or charge-offs, and then they're having to stand before their security manager. Yes. So not to say that everyone who's in that boat did that intentionally. I do understand divorce is a big thing that can cause those kind of issues. There's no judgment there. But at the same time, some learning activities that you can do with this group, according to the article, when a savings account statement is received, show how much interest they earned on that account. I have shown my 13-year-old the compound interest calculator. She wasn't very interested at the time, but I know there will come a point when she is interested. Okay, if this is what kind of a thing I'm wanting to save for for over a period of years, wow, I can get excited about earning some $600 for free just by sitting there. At this age group, you also want to think about showing them. And by the way, this is five to seven. So again, it's never too early to show them compound interest, a spend plan, savings accounts, paperwork, show them your own. And I did say on a previous podcast that I would be talking about the children's leave and earning statement. And by the way, all you have to do is contact me if you want this children leaving earning statement that I created on my own fashioned from the DOD civilian leave and earning statement. You can show on that benefits entitlement section for your children, what you paid for that month for them, volleyball, music lessons, ballet, family vacations, the benefits that they receive just by being a part of your family system. They don't get to hold that money cash in hand, but they get to benefit 
from that money that you are spending collectively towards that. And seeing it makes it more concrete. You can kind of see the ins and the outs. And that also shows you kind of how the bank statements flow and go. Because like I said, we're not usually using cash as much as we used to. So they're just seeing us swipe and tap our phones and they're not understanding exactly what is actually occurring at the register and when we're going different places. And that brings me to the age group of seven to 10, where it is most appropriate to start teaching them about debt. If they borrow money from you, put it on the children's leaving earnings statement. Here's your debt balance. Here's how much you're paying monthly, your minimum monthly payment. And they're not necessarily having to pay interest unless you want to show them about interest. I think that's a good idea too. But they get to feel the pain of not having that extra $10, not having that extra $20, however much they're earning. Also, at this age, making a spend plan, not to say that you can't do that for kids that are seven years old in the previous age group, but for this age group especially, helping them make a a budget, a spend plan, listing the expenses that they're wanting to plan for each week or even each day for some kids, and then have them make, according to this article, a wants and needs list or poster. It's almost like a vision board, right? I think that's a wonderful thing. Anything about this age group that you would add, age seven to 10? I think that just, it brings in the concreteness of us having to be hands-on with our kids so that they can kind of get these core elements of money because it's definitely something that needs to happen and occur and the sooner the better. And this is what's going to set them up for success in the future. So you're talking tactile learning. And then to reinforce that learning, we have some books at Army Community Service. And Maria can provide those to you should you come to a play date for her zero to three age group. And you will have those books uh, to engage them at the appropriate age. So those are free resources for you as well. So not only tactile learning, but visual learning too. We are all visual beings, no matter what our upbringing, no matter what our personalities, to see it and then to also hold it, that really drives home the concept of money. Now let's get into middle school. Oh, that tough age. Oh, yes. So (laughs) that's where my oldest is right now. What this article points to is kids in this age group, and you all are going to laugh at what I highlighted on this one, they may look to their peers for leadership and approval. We all know that the middle schoolers, they ask each other questions. Of course. And then they take it as 100% correct and truth, absolute truth, that whatever's coming out of their mouth factual. <laughs> is factual information. And it's just where their brains are. We can't blame them for that. It it is something they have to grow into their brains, just as our children had to grow into their lungs. So we also have to think of how they are seeking approval through their peers and maybe why they want the Lucky Brand jeans, Mm. which I haven't gone through that yet with my daughter, knock on wood. So (laughs) we've not gone through that. But other things, not necessarily tactile or tangible things, but other things, obviously, we seek the approval of folks. But then they also talk about 
continuing budgeting for items and helping them set spending limits by listing their needs in order of importance. So this is where we have the notion of opportunity cost. And I bring that lesson in with adults too. Mm -hmm. So an opportunity cost is where when you spend money on one thing, you are foregoing the opportunity to spend the money on something different. So if a middle schooler wants to spend 20 bucks at the movie theater, then that's an opportunity cost for their savings towards a car or their savings towards those Lucky Brand jeans. So it's an opportunity cost. Then you can also in this age group discuss how to buy stocks, bonds, and explain compound interest. And if you don't know all that, just talk about your TSP. Show them, maybe not yet, but maybe in the future sometime, show them your TSP statement so that they can see, maybe block out some numbers. You don't want them to see how much money. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't, we don't want our kids knowing everything yet. Then their eyes might swell out of their heads and yes. then they think that you can get them whatever their heart desires. <laughs> but you can at least let them know that here's how TSP works. Here's how TSP is benefiting me and how it will benefit you in the future because you won't have to take care of me because I'm contributing to TSP. Allow them to borrow from you within reason and have a repayment plan, including any interest or realistic experience using credit. Now, here's here's something I want to, and, and I want to get your input on this age group as well, Maria. Remember what they said in this article, that middle schoolers may look to their peers for leadership and approval? Mm-hmm. Again, back to arrested development. Adults... Do the same thing. Do the same thing. Seeking approval from others based on what you're wearing, Mm -hmm. based on what you're driving. The trends. The trends, absolutely. Keeping up with the Joneses. Makeup. Mm -hmm. When I see how much people spend on Sephora (laughs) or Ulta, I'm thinking over powder, you know? Mm -mm. I'm in the wrong business. I need to create powder and some (laughs) pigment and, you know, sell it. I don't know. But we're talking about folks that are constantly seeking the approval of others. But what else would you say about the age group? So I would say you can still have their ear. I think if you start early, as early as even two years of age, they'll still hear and listen from you about what you have to say because you have instilled some principles and some values in them. They can trust you as a trusted person with money, especially with whatever experiences you have. So they will be getting their peers feedback, but they're also going to be coming to you. And that's a time for you to step up and continue to guide and lead them in their paths with money. Perfectly said. They have an expectation from adults and parents to guide them. Even when it seems like they're pushing you away, they are craving Mm -hmm. guidance and they're even craving boundaries. And they need it. They absolutely do. It makes them feel comforted. And they thrive under it. Yes, they sure do. And this is, listen, this is the childhood expert here. So when you're wanting some information and you want to pick Maria's brain, I'm sure she would love it. So now let's go to the age group 14 to 18. So straight out of the article, um, I'm just going to read this. They want to be independent, but usually financially dependent. 
Okay, they have a great desire to be with the in-group, to have what the group has, go where the group goes, dress like the group dresses. So they haven't quite made it out of those middle school years yet, but they're seeking more independence. We need to give them more independence, but they're still financially dependent. So because they're still financially dependent, we need to use this as an opportunity to help them understand the difference between using a credit card versus a debit card. And you can set up youth spendings and youth savings accounts with banks. So check with your bank on that. Help them, allow them to do the family grocery shopping. Help them understand they are about to leave the nest. Help them understand what the true cost of living independently are. So um, the other thing is you need to start talking to them about building credit, especially as they get towards 17, 18, because they can't apply for their own credit card till they're 21. But you can look at helping them build credit through a secured credit card, helping them get, uh, not you helping them get, but steering them towards getting a gas credit card, uh, a merchant card, so to speak, so that they can, they need gas for their cars anyway, they can steadily pay for it, you know, that type of thing. And having the, and telling them that it's expected that they'll pay the balance every month and the importance of paying the balance every month. Anything else you would say about this age group before we jump into the very last one? I don't think so. I think all those points are pretty spot on and, you know, still giving that cushion for error and trying not to have too high expectations yeah, yes. for them because they're still going to have mishaps and slip And they're ups. not yet adults. Correct. Their brains are not going to be fully formed until they're 25. Mm-hmm. Just like we cannot expect a two-year-old yes. <laughs> to logically respond and act like an adult when you give them a command. Correct. It's the same thing it is. with an 18-year-old. Yep. This is not in the article from the University of Nebraska, but this next topic of conversation, Maria, I'm very passionate about this because I see a lot of folks at Redstone Arsenal who continue to support their adult children. Now, there's young adults, right? So I think the young adults, I don't want to define it, but I believe it's 18 to 22, which is considered the young adult age group. With these folks, we need to remember that we need to start now making the nest uncomfortable for them. And moms and dads, grandpas and grandpas who are watching moms and dads, this is healthy. This is necessary. Yes, it is. It is hurts. Yeah. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. But we have to make the nest uncomfortable so that they will eventually leave and fly on their own. And I've talked about this in other podcasts, talked about it till I'm blue in the face in classes that I teach. But you please, parents, remember that making the nest uncomfortable means not paying for all of their bills. I understand if they're living with you while they're going to college and they're doing something productive with their lives, there's value in that. But if they're not doing something, you have to set those boundaries. Saying no is very healthy. It's good for your child. Anything you would add to that? Just holding everybody accountable. If you're not in college, find trade, get a job something so that you can be productive and find purpose and it's hard during those years because you're trying to figure it out but it is doable well said you don't 
have to have a college degree to be successful. You can get involved in a trade. This is not to say that I am anti-college. I'm definitely going to ask my girls to go to college. We're preparing for that. We want them to get at least a four-year degree. But if something happens and they don't and they go towards a vocation or a skill, my thing is as long as you can support yourself, that's what we're going for. And who knows? What if they become the next HGTV star for all we know? I know the odds are very slim (laughs) to be an HGTV star. However, to get to be involved in a skill that many folks are not moving towards, there can be a lot to, to gain from that. We'll close by reminding everybody that financial learning is something that occurs throughout the lifespan. It's never too late to do something different with your finances. Please reach out to us if you need us. We hope to not see you, but have your ears at our next 